Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Couldn't wait to get back to talk to you guys. Been having some very good guests on our show here recently, and I hope you guys have been enjoying that. And I want to thank you all again for all the love and support that you've shown us, not only on social media, but through the emails that I'm receiving and iTunes reviews. Please continue to do that. We love it, and it means so much to us. And today we are joined by Dr. David Roney. And Dr. Roney is going to talk to us today about persevering through poverty. And he has an incredible story. And I just want to move out of the way so you guys can meet this great, I call him young man, because I'm a little older than him. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate you for inviting me on. Thanks, everybody, for listening in and tuning in. Happy to be here. Awesome. And so this goes on to black doctors. And now I got a whole bunch of black doctors that are coming on the show. So it's been good for me, man, just to sit back and just watch and listen to your story. When we actually got to meet, shout out to Jason Wank for introducing us and just being able to chop it up with you, man, and just talk a little bit. I want to move out the way and let you give the listeners a little bit of background. We'll get into the questions specifically, but just tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. Dr. David Roney or D. Roney is what some people call me. My friends call me Scrap. I am originally from Hawaii, but didn't stay there long. Grew up mainly in SoCal, Compton, California. You know what it is. And Long Beach. But I also spent time in the Bay Area, specifically East Oakland, which is part of my roots. And I call it the trifecta of who I am. East Oakland, Long Beach, and Compton. Those are the places that really define me and define how I am today, define my style and everything. I got to this place where it's abnormal to where I am, right? So as an African-American here in the United States, African-Americans make up 13% of the population. Less than 6% of those African-Americans make it to medical school. But I have a unique story where I am African-American, but I also played two sports as a Division One athlete. I went to and graduated graduated from the United States Naval Academy with a pretty tough degree, I think, in applied mathematics. I was a cybersecurity analyst for a while, got a chance to work at pretty much some of the hush-hush places that you would talk to in this country, doing some spooky stuff. And then I also managed to make it to medical school, and now I'm a surgeon, right? And of the people who make it to medical school, only less than 1% of those people become surgeons. So I was in Amari, a minority from being an African-American to playing basketball, which less than 1% of the people who play basketball in high school make it to college. And I did that. Plus, I ran track, right? But the reality of the story, none of that is hard as what I had to growing up. This has all been on a downhill slope ever since I had to deal with all of it. To be honest, if I can set the picture for you, think about the smallest car you've ever lived in or not lived in, but like rode in in a back seat, right? Cramped up. You can't move. You just feel like you can't get any space. Your knees are knocking against the back seat. Well, my brother and I, because we fell on hard times with our mom, we lived in a car in a parking lot of a mall for, man, it seemed like it was a year, but in reality, it was a couple months. At that point in time, my biological father had been gone for a while. We were moving up and down wherever my mom could find a job or wherever her new boyfriend would take her. And so we ended up in Oakland, right? And I'm going to touch on that piece a little bit because I know you're from Northern California, so I just want to make sure everybody knows 
while we were there. We had to live in a car, a Volkswagen Jetta, as small as a, you can think of. And you got me and my brother living in the back seat. Like we went through a whole bunch of years real quick. Like, you know what I mean? And we're going to get we're circle back on that because I know listeners are listening to that. Be like, wait, hold on. You lived here. You lived there. And then you give some stats about 13 percent of the total population is African-American in the United States. Six percent of that population actually graduates from college. Is medical school. Medical school. Only six percent graduates from medical school. And so just to be able to like hearing those numbers and you saying that that wasn't as difficult as what you had to go through as coming up as a child. That's how we want to paint that picture. Cause I'm like sitting here thinking like, man, medical school had to be crazy. Right. And then you're really downplaying like how intelligent you are. <laughs> like I'm listening to the accomplishments that you had and you said you majored in applied mathematics. Come on, man. My whole job is math. So <laughs> I know how hard that is when we get to hear this painting this picture of what it was like to be homeless as a child and knowing that you can persevere through that. And so I didn't want to interrupt your story. I just wanted to add to it and kind of really paint that picture and, and, and say, look, D. Roney's saying that this was more difficult at this time, and you're going to jump right into that being more difficult. So talk to us a little bit about being homeless as a child. No matter all the stuff that I've accomplished after I left California, the toughest part of my life has been actually just growing up in California. Most of my painful memories come from California. When as a kid, I was so used to not being told I was smart, not being told hey, where our next meal was going to come from. When my uh, biological father left, it destabilized my whole situation. Next thing you know, we left, we're moving around. I moved about 30 times as a kid. And to be honest, I didn't really get to sleep in a bed a lot to the point that I was so used to just laying on the floor or switching off with my brother on staying on the couch, right? So I've been in situations where it was a normal thing to have my house shot up on Christmas. Right. So every day was a complete struggle just trying to survive. I used to tell myself every day is survive today, move on to the next day. That type of stress, that type of fear, that type of hunger that it was created in me because I did not want to be in that situation ever again. I was lucky enough for the time that my grandmother was alive, my mom was alive, that I started to sort of figure out what perseverance meant. Right. My grandmother left when Texas when she was 13. She was pregnant soon thereafter and she started having kids. Right. So my mom was born at a young age. So I I never really knew if my life was difficult because my mom had it worse. I never really thought about that for that aspect. But I mean, we would bounce from house to house, not have food. And then we ended up in the homeless shelter not too long after my biological father left because my mom was chasing a job. And after living in a car for a couple months, eating Burger King for every meal when they were having a two-for-one Whopper, right? We ran out of money. We walking down the street. All we got is the clothes on our back because we went from a car to a hotel, couldn't pay the bill, right? So we stayed in the hotel long enough till they realized we couldn't pay the bill. They kicked us out, took all our stuff, didn't let us back in, and they sold it to somebody, right? So we walked down the street in Oakland. It was down in Alameda. We show up at a homeless shelter. And we just happened to get a spot, me, my mom, and my brother. My mom, if you ever watched the movie Pursuit of Happiness, there's a scene, they're actually in Northern California, I think, too, where he sits there and he has to block the door and prevent from somebody coming in the bathroom in the middle of the night. My mom, that first night in the homeless shelter, we, she slept up against the door while me and my brother slept in the bed. 
right? So like those things and that movie is a little painful for me because I recognize being that kid. The next day, I remember my mom went to the social worker or whoever was working there and told them like, hey, we don't have anything. We don't have any clothes. We don't have anything. Can you help us out? They said, yeah, come back later and we'll have clothes, shoes, whatever you need. And we're in there standing, we're in a group of a bunch of people and they come in and they just throw the stuff on the floor. And I refused to go get it. And my mom looked at me and told me I can't be so proud. And then that was the moment I decided that I'm not putting up with none of this anymore. And I just sort of changed my mindset about how I can make it through something, right? So then we finally make it out of the homeless shelter. And my mom got a couple jobs through a temp agency. One of them was where she used to have to pick the bad chips off the line at a, it's like a Lay's factory or whatever, like a potato chip factory. And so she'd come home with burns on her hands. So I put cocoa butter and stuff on her hands. But like my family, the way we grew up was like not necessarily typical. I didn't know the difference back then, right? So one day somebody came to our door. I opened the door and there's a shotgun in my face. My mom stood there walked in front of the guy. And the only reason why I didn't die, the only reason why all of us didn't die, because they came there to kill us, was because he was surprised by how strong my mom was. So my mom served as just like a sort of picture of what strength was, right? Because she had been through a lot already. And then she would, in her more lucid moments, sort of teach me how to be strong and how to persevere through things I was going through. So if I was struggling with something, she would tell me, hey, it's not that bad. You have to be there to protect everybody else. So I just kept that in the back of my head. So everything I did, I continued to push forward. We finally found some type of semblance of a house, but we were living in one bedroom when we finally ended up in Long Beach. And I managed to start sort of trying to stay out of trouble, whatever. So I, I ended up going with doing some after school programs. Again, stay out of trouble, not run around the street. And I ended up playing some Brazilian drum. So it just so happened the person who was teaching the class or the after-school activity lived right behind me. So then he saw me one day, saw that I had dirty clothes on, wasn't really eating. So he'd give me a sandwich and all this other jazz. So he was just like, do you want to go play basketball? So I went over there, played basketball uh, with him, and I sucked. Just completely sucked. Couldn't get off the, like, got ran off the court. And it so happens, this park that I used to go to, Vets Park in Long Beach, shout out to Vets because there's a lot of people who came from there it put this like desire in me to be better, right? Because I had been laughed at my whole life and basketball was free, right? I can go play with other people and if I can finally get someone to acknowledge how good I was. So I worked my tail off because the dude ended up giving me a basketball and every day I just worked hard, worked hard, worked hard. And then I managed to start to get a little bit better, a little bit better every day. And then eventually it started to pay off. But then my senior year, I almost lost my life. My senior year in high school, I was going to school one day and I just didn't feel right. So I was walking down the stairs. I remember just getting super hot. And then uh, I walked back in the house. My mom was like, because she had only been out of the hospital for a little bit because she had been going back and forth to the hospital. And I had been staying on with someone else, staying by myself here and there. So she's back for a little bit. So she asked me, are you okay? I was like, I don't know. Something just feels weird. So I walk in the bathroom and I just fill the entire toilet bowl up with blood. And again, we didn't have no money. We, we didn't have a car, nothing like that. And so we walked a mile, mile and a half to the clinic, right? We didn't go to the hospital. We walked to the clinic, get to the clinic. I throw up again, show the doc his blood. And so he says, hey, we're, we need you guys to go to, to the ER right now. 
the ambulance was taking forever. So my mom was like, screw it, let's walk. So I walked to the hospital because we couldn't pay for an ambulance. I get there and I just remember passing out, woke up two weeks later and like in and out. And I had lost like 20, 30 pounds and I'm supposed to be going to be playing college basketball. That whole deal, like that was tougher, right? Putting my mom in the hospital when I was a junior in high school, missing half my junior year because I have to watch my mom on a daily basis because she got taken off her medicine and she uh, was a manic bipolar depressant. Like having to watch her every day, make sure she didn't kill herself, make sure she didn't run off, make sure she didn't give our money to some random dude, like not going to school and then having to do basically half my junior year and my senior year at the same time just to graduate on time, right? So I didn't fit into a statistic. That was way harder than going to the Naval Academy and going to a medical school than playing basketball. That was what I call perseverance. So I made it out. I graduated at 17 years of age. I technically wasn't supposed to graduate because I didn't take driver's ed. It is what it is. But my school was, I was lucky enough to go to a school that allowed me to do that. And then I left. I went to go play basketball and I'm getting ready to go to Naval Academy. So I'm at the Naval Academy Prep School in Newport, Rhode Island. And they just made it as hard as they could on me. I show up and I mean, quite frankly, I got told right off the bat that I didn't belong. So I make it through. I do well basketball-wise. I prove myself academically. I'm on an honor roll, all this crazy stuff. And then I make it to the Naval Academy, and I show up there, and they tell me I don't belong again and that they were going to get rid of me. And I just flat out told them that I don't have anywhere to go. So you're not getting rid of me because I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it there. So I did my thing academically, did my thing basketball-wise, and I ended up running track toward the end. I overlapped a little bit. But by the end, they realized that I actually did something. But still, I didn't think I was smart, right? I didn't even know how to study back then. So then I graduate, I go become a cryptologist, and I'm doing some good work and then getting some opportunities. And then I finally... Cryptologist? What's that? What is that? So cryptology is. is the use of mathematics and computer science to basically decrypt or meaning break down yeah, yeah. Uh, code and end up being a specialist in, in cybersecurity, okay. which was unheard of. I mean, it was really back in late 2000s, early 2010, that wasn't like a big thing. It's like cyber is like big now, but this was like back, it wasn't big back then, right? And so I ended up going on a deployment to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. That's a whole nother story. But I managed, <laughs> managed to make it off my deployment for a week. And I managed to get an interview at a pretty good medical school. And I thought I was also going to interview at Howard. They didn't get me. They rescinded the interview <laughs> or it got lost in the mail, whatever you want to call it. I made it to medical school. But I showed up to medical school and they told me I was going to need a tutor. But I had never used a tutor my whole life. So I told them flat out, like, this isn't something that I'm going to need. And then I ended up doing well. I graduated in the top 12% of my class. And I won a bunch of awards and all that stuff. And I managed to get matched or get selected to go to a surgical residency. And that was a whole nother ballgame. But again, it wasn't as hard as what I had to go through. What do you think it was? Was it being the experiences you had as a child? Do you think it was the mental preparation that did it? Where did you develop the fortitude to be able to, like, do you credit that coming from your mom? Because you said she was giving you pictures of strength, like you could see the strength, not necessarily always, because from what I'm gathering, it wasn't always necessarily communicated that this is what strength looks like, but you could look at your mom and see the strength that was coming out of her. Do you think 
you draw that from her as you're going through these other experiences in life, like as you're trying to become a surgeon and you're going through a time. Absolutely. The Navy. 100%. Right. So I wasn't from the family that like I'm the black sheep. Right. If you can believe it, I'm the black sheep where I didn't fit the mold of everyone else in the family. I didn't act the same way, spoke my mind the entire time. But that's how my mom wanted me to be. Yeah, I didn't hear a lot of I love you. There was a lot of hugs and all that stuff. It was just a lot of survival, right? So what I learned from my mom is how to be strong and just survive. Unfortunately, my mom passed at the age of 49. It still hurts me to this day. It was the second year of medical school at the beginning. And it's something I had to learn how to get over because I lost who I was for a while. But what snapped me right out of it was that new challenge like, hey, you know, they don't think I can do this. And so I persevered because I owed her that. I persevered through the Naval Academy because I owed my grandmother. So then I had to learn how to owe myself and pay myself back, right? And that was a tough thing to learn how to do because my childhood did not equip me for those things. For instance, like when we didn't have money as a kid, it wasn't an irregular thing for my mom to go bounce a check to get us some cash to eat, right? It wasn't abnormal for us to, for me and my brother to get food stamps as allowance, right? So my brother had always been smart with money. I was a little bit more of an idiot, meaning as soon as I get the money, I'm spending it right away because we don't understand, especially growing up black neighborhoods is the decisions you make, especially with money are based upon your emotions connected to the money you receive. Right. So if you have a good memory, you have a bad, like a good memory, you end up making good decisions. Okay. A good feeling of euphoria. Sometimes you make very, very bad decisions, right? You want those short term moment to moment. Hey, let me feel good for the moment because the rest of my situation sucks. So that was on the whole, my mom influenced quite a bit. So as you're going through all this stuff, like you make it through medical school, you become a surgeon. We're starting to get into the money conversation a little bit because I know we're going to talk a little bit about your blog and how that all plays into who you are. And I mean, I don't think this isn't the story of doom and gloom. This is a story of overcoming accomplishment, perseverance, and overall, like just having some fortitude when everything ain't going right. And I think that it's a realistic picture of what life is like, because I think, granted, everybody's not going to go through things like what you went through and to hear your mom passed away. And I will tell you this, I totally understand what that feels like. I don't practice saying I'm sorry to people when they lose someone. I say I understand what that feels like, especially to lose your mom, because I know what it was like to lose your mom at a young age. I lost my mom. She was 42 when she passed away. So I totally understand that. But then the journey starts to take, it's a really, really uplifting story. I think personally, I see all the stuff that's going on and people can have, you could really take this and go the other way, but you made the choice. You made the conscious decision to make the decision to do what you're doing now and do it at a high level. You didn't just become a surgeon. You graduated in the top 12% in your class. You didn't just go to the Navy. You went to the Naval Academy and ran track and play basketball. So you almost have a life, not almost, you have a life of overachievement through perseverance. So you're achieving at a high level. Want to make sure that you take time to let that sink in and let that incredible feat that you've accomplished. And it's led you to create this blog, Surgify, right? Is that what it is, Surgify? So talk to us a little bit about that. So first, like, let me say this. I achieved all those things and didn't even realize they're a success, right? Because in my family, Again, we talk about decisions associated with emotions, right? I never received positive feedbacks. So for a long time, I was chasing acknowledgement from my family, right? I wanted my family to acknowledge me and acknowledge that I was smart or acknowledge that I had done something that was worth acknowledging, right? All of that for a while, and I'm still learning what success is, but the thing that I'm trying to realize is I don't want other people to go through what I went through, right? 
Yep. The road that I have taken has been extremely hard, mm-hmm. right? It makes no sense that as an African-American male in this country, right, that you have less of an opportunity to go to medical school. It makes no sense that as an African-American male in this country, you have a less of an opportunity to become a surgeon. I'm glad to see that technology is changing. But back in the early 2000s and early 2010s, I didn't see anybody who looked like me who was doing cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. None, right? Mm-hmm. And even then, they didn't really want me to do it because they said mathematicians don't do computers, mm-hmm. right? So I'm really trying to create something and help other people get to the place that they need to be in order to really recognize that they can achieve anything they want. Mm-hmm. The reason why I started Surgify, which stands for surgical or surgeon, financial independence or surgical finance, right? It's mm-hmm. both of those things. I'm a surgeon. And I'm trying to create financial independence, but I'm not just trying to do it for me. I'm trying to do it for everybody. Mm-hmm. The one thing that God did teach me, right? And I feel like the ultimate thing he gave me was not just the ability to persevere. It's my ability to learn and to teach others, right? So let's say I never, ever, ever, ever achieve my financial goal. But what I know is because my ability to teach and what God has told me and talk to me and put in my spirit that I can be able to teach others, including my kids, on how to do it. So even if I reach one person, if I reach two people, if those folks make an impact on three, four, then that legacy is huge. Mm -hmm. So for me, this blog means a lot to me because I'm not charging anybody for that information. I'm putting in sweat equity really to help them learn the information that is readily available to other families of means. When you grow up in poverty, sometimes you have these blinders, right? Ignorance is bliss. Mm -hmm. And you end up thinking that, hey, there's nothing else out there. Mm -hmm. When in regards, you need to learn about a credit score. You need to learn about what a checking account versus a savings account versus a high yield savings account versus a certificate of deposit versus a bond fund. Like all these things are important. You need to learn why it's important to create financial independence. So you don't have to answer to somebody else and be dependent upon them mm-hmm. for your finances. As a kid, I didn't know anything else but poverty, meaning we were on welfare constantly, food stamps, and it used to be so embarrassing to have to go to the store and buy food stamps when you're, quote unquote, a basketball player and your friends have come from good families. I had to walk, I think I walked close to 10 miles just to take my SAT, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. to make it to college. There was nobody saying, hey, I had a person drop me off once. The other time I had to walk. Mm-hmm. And even then, when I was playing basketball, I went to this camp at that same place where I took the SAT. I had no ride home. I just mm-hmm. got dropped off up there and nobody to pick me up. I ended up getting a random ride from a stranger. Yep. Right. At 16 years of age, getting random rides from a stranger at the camp. They could have did anything to me. God had been watching over me the whole time, but I was determined to get out of my situation. And the only way I knew I was getting out was playing basketball. Now, now that is a dumb way to be, right? The reality is someone should have told me I was smart enough to go to college on a scholarship. Someone should have told me there was alternatives to me having to play basketball. Like my whole goal was to take care of my family. I could have been an electrician or a plumber or doing construction, making good money to take care of my family, right? And that's part of this whole piece that we as African-Americans, we as minorities, we get pigeonholed into these like lanes that you can't do anything else but just be down this lane. If you're tall, if you're African-American, you look athletic, oh, you're going to school on athletic scholarship. Mm -hmm. 
it shouldn't be that way, yeah. right? Athletics is a great thing. I love it. It taught me a lot. It taught me how to be a leader. Great. Awesome. But the reality is we need more tools to survive. Certain things like money shouldn't be taboo. Talking about your health shouldn't be taboo. Like in the black community, we don't even like going to doctors, mm-hmm. right? I still, in the back of my head, I joke around with patients, but it's partially true where I was like, man, you know, I don't like going to doctors either, right? The reality is we all have our like preconceived biases as cultural as well, right? Mm-hmm. One of those biases is a doctor. I said, hey, you know, at the end of the day, like we got to all remember that those things affect who we are as a people, right? And the only way we move forward is by creating, right, our wealth again. The only way we move forward is to learn about the things that everyone else knows about, but we haven't been given the opportunity. In this day and age where it's the internet, right, everybody has regular access, everybody has an iPhone, yada, yada, they're walking around with one of the most powerful computers in their pocket. They have the ability to learn. There's knowledge out there. It doesn't take a lot for you to pick up a book, listen to a podcast, right? Or look at a YouTube video to really figure out what you can achieve in this life. And that's what I'm trying to teach people how to do. And that's all from the the Surgify blog. Yeah. And so you're passionate about obviously about what you do, which is a doctor and a surgeon. But there's a road, you're saying that there's a crossroad between health and financial literacy. Yeah, there's a huge crossroads between health and financial literacy, right? One of the biggest expenses that we're going to get in our lifetime is taking care of our bodies, right? If you're sick and you're not healthy, you can't work. You can't take care of your family. And you're not going to have the money to be able to take care of your family, right? So your health is important. It's intertwined. One of the ways of creating generational wealth is having multiple streams of income. How do you have multiple streams of income if you're too sick to even think like coherently, right? So you got to take care of your body. The other thing is most people don't understand the intricacies of health insurance, right? Why do we randomly get bills out from here? What's a copay, right? What's a HMO versus a PPO? Why do I need to see this doctor before I see this other doctor? Why did this CT scan cost me $1,500 when I was in the CT scan for five minutes, mm-hmm. right? They got to know that they can get multiple quotes for health insurance, that they have options for health insurance, that if you're a working parent and you have kids, even though you make money, kids, their insurance is taken care of by most states for free, right? So it's not a bad thing to sign up for a state mandated health insurance for your kids. And that automatically puts more money in your pocket, mm-hmm. right? There's no, like, kids get insurance no matter what. So there's never a reason for kids not to have insurance. There's never a reason for kids not to go to the dentist. There's never a reason for kids not to go to the optometrist. These type of things are important. Like, if you're not going to take care of your body, right, then you're going to allow your mind to waste away, and you're going to allow everything to waste away, uh, your opportunities. You have to be healthy to work. You have to be healthy to own a business right? These things are important. Your health literacy is tied to your financial literacy because you don't want bad health costing you what you need to put in your pocket. Absolutely. I totally believe that, man. I think you like the stories that the passion that you speak with when you get in those areas, I think I can feel it, man. And if you're passionate about health, we've had some shows in the past where we talked about minorities and different health issues that we have, you know, hypertension, you know, diabetes, obesity, 
just different things that are, some people say they're systemic. Some people say they're just a product of the environment. Some people, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. I don't try to focus on the problem. I try to focus on the solution, but I think it's the small things that we do, the small decisions that we make on a daily basis from what we eat to how we spend our free time to exercising that we do. And I think as people of color, we have to be able to make and recognize and make those small pivots to be able to ensure that we can live longer and have a better quality of life, if you will. With all that being said, D. Roney, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth, as you know. I mean, with everything that you've accomplished in life, at the young age that you are, I won't put your business out there and tell everybody how old you are. They can figure it out. You're younger than me by a couple of years. I got you by a couple of years. With all of that, like, how do you continue to stay motivated, inspired to grow and learn? What motivates you continually? Well, quite frankly, my kids and my wife, mm-hmm. right? So like when my mom died, I lost I was just in a black tunnel, right? I couldn't see the light in my world went away because my whole identity was tied to taking care of my mom, my grandmother. I lost my grandmother. Okay, I still got my mom. I take care of my mom. My mom was struggling and then she died and I didn't even get to say goodbye, right? That hurt me. But when I met my wife, I started to get some sunlight back in my world. Mm -hmm. And then I had my kids and then I look at them and they need me to be the best person that I can be, right? They need to see that there's no limit to what they can be, Mm -hmm. okay? They need to know that they can achieve anything they want to be. So if they say they want to go to college, go to college, right? But if you're going to go to college, be great at what you're going to do. Whatever you do, be great at it. And the reason why is if you are going to put time in this life, which is short, right? Your mom died at 42, mine died at 49. Every moment you spend on this earth is precious. So if you're going to do something, give it your all. If you feel like you can't give it your all, if you can't look at yourself in the mirror when you get home and say, you know what, I worked hard, I'm allowed to sleep, right? I'm okay to sleep. Then you don't need to be doing it, right? So my motivation comes from that, right? I want my kids to look back and be like, hey, you know, dad was the CEO of a hospital system and he created a system in place that no matter what, race, creed, color, income level, you got taken care of like you were the richest person on earth. That's what I want them to be proud of. I want them to look and go, hey, you know, my dad put that scholarship in place for everyone to get to school, for people who didn't have the opportunity, but show promise to be able to get in and do the things that they want to achieve. So whether it's in business, medicine, law, whatever, they can get to college and they don't have to worry about having to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we all know student loans are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what motivates me. Right. Teaching other people and helping them get to the point in their life where they say, you know, what? I've achieved some success. I've worked hard. And then I want them to learn how to give back as well. So it sounds like you're motivated by leaving a legacy. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I would ask this question. I think you're going to say yes. Do you believe a uh, wealth building? Education plays a big part in wealth building. Yes and no. Mm -hmm. When I say education, though, I always say that. And I don't just mean, you know, brick and mortar school establishments for education. I just say education in general, wherever it may come from. I believe education in not the traditional sense, meaning go and get a degree, yada, yada, yada. Not everyone's suited to get a degree. But the thing that we forget is that we can learn from each other, right? So learning. A skill that we don't learn, especially in urban environments, is how to network. We know how to politic, Mm -hmm. 
right? Because that's what you do on the street. You know how to mm-hmm. politic, but we don't learn how to network, right? How to put ourselves in the rooms with people who make the decisions and how to sit back, observe, and learn from them. That's education too, right? And so, for instance, learning about credit card points, right? I knew nothing about it, right? Mm-hmm. Why would I care about credit card points? Well, come to find out, people taking trips for two, three weeks at a time, all on credit card points. Mm-hmm. So I asked the question, man, how are you doing this, mm-hmm. right? You can learn literally from everybody. I don't care if it's the janitor. I don't care if it's your hairdresser, your barber, whoever. You can learn from everyone because someone has whether they're Joe Schmo off the street, they have some expertise you can learn from. So I think education is huge in building wealth, but it's not just traditional education. I think it's the everything that you need to just open your mind and open yourself up to all the possibilities of what you can do. Absolutely. If you would offer a parting gift for the listeners as we come up on the close of this show, if you could offer a piece of advice for the listeners, something I always say parting gift, or a piece of advice or whatever, but what would you bow tie this with right here? If you're going to wrap it up, put a bow tie on it. What would you tell the listeners? Set a goal and set it higher than you think you can possibly achieve. The reason why I'm telling you that is because we all want comfort. We all want to be safe and we want the safety of being, knowing that we can do it. The reality is we don't know what we truly can do until we try it, right? So if you have a goal, instead of saying, hey, you know, I just want to work for XYZ company. Hey, you know, I want to be part of the management team for XYZ company. Well, what happens if you're not part of the management team? You didn't fail, Mm -hmm. right? Because you might just be one step shorter, but you're doing well, right? I want to be a judge. Well, no, you didn't have the political circumstances didn't work out for you to be a judge, but you got this opportunity to be a partner at a law firm. That's still a pretty big deal. I personally, I have a goal of being a CEO of a hospital system one day, Mm -hmm. right? I might not ever get there, but I'm going to continue to push and work hard like I am going to get there. And in the process of assuming that mentality, I'm going to create a system and I'm going to learn things that are going to allow me to get there. Mm -hmm. So from that step, I would tell you, always, always shoot for the stars, right? Don't shoot for the target that's easy, right? Because that's the thing that everybody's going to do. Shoot for the thing that you think that might be impossible. But if it's impossible, no one's going to be able to do it. You can figure out a way and start from there and work your way back. Love it. I love that. Not even going to add nothing to it. If people want to get more D. Roney, where can they find you at? What social medias are you popping on? What social medias are you active? Where you be at, man? Where you be at? So I'm on Twitter under Surgeon for a Cure. That's my personal page because mm-hmm. I talk sports and all that stuff. Go ahead and talk about that. Surgeon, S-U-R-G-E-O-N, four mm-hmm. as in the number four, A, and then Cure, C-U-R-E. And that's just my personal page where I just talk about things that are pertinent to minorities in medicine. I, I love sports. I'm a former basketball player, so I talk about sports a lot. And I just talk about random things, right? I also share some tidbits some lessons from me personally. And then you can find my brand, the blog, Surgify on Twitter at Fisurge. Surgy actually is F-I-S-U-R-G-I. On Instagram at Surgify and then on Facebook at Surgify. And then I answer, I'm active on all of them. And I just recently started a YouTube page. Uh-oh. And 
I am going to start to upload more and more videos every Monday. I'm going to do like a 10 to 20 minute video on some type of financial or health associated topic. Get that. I think you need to do that. Do the YouTube channel. YouTube and Spotify next year is going to be having some video too. So yeah, that, that's good stuff, man. That's great stuff. I want to just thank you for coming on and spending some time with me and listeners here. I can't thank you enough for the work you're doing. Incredible story, man. I tell you to continue to tell that story because it's yours and because it's encouraged me. I'm like, man, I need to be doing more. I need to do more than what I'm doing now. And you've inspired me today. So I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on, man. And it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you for the invite and uh, thank you for having me on. Maybe I could be on the future and like the background, be a cheer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cheer you on. We don't mind having second time guests on. That is not a problem. Yeah, we get you on here doing something. But uh, thank you again. And I just want to tell all the listeners, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today. And until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or a CPA or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here. And until next time.